uh, please would you bless tonight. Give us ears to hear, hearts to know and obey you. Thank you for your word. Uh, your word is life. Your, you speak the words of the Father. And you made a commitment that you would only say the things you've heard your Father say and only do the things you heard your Father do. And you're asking us to do the very same with you. Guide us in that. Help us in that. Thank you that you draw us with your unfailing love. Uh, ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, where's Quinn? Where's Quinn? Quinn, you ready? What did you learn last Wednesday? Of the burial stuff. What did you learn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything. What about a Roman burial? What did the Romans do to help make their dead loved one feel more comfortable? They would give them food and stuff. How? And they would do a shoot. Through a pipe. Pipe. Exactly. Exactly. Thinking it would comfort them. Exactly. Yeah. So, anybody else from last from this this section? Anything? Hmm. Food in the tube. Exactly. Personality the bones, bone box. Yeah, bone box. Now the Jews, what did they believe about your flesh? <clears throat> That's where the sin was. Sin resided in the flesh. Okay. And so a criminal, a man that was uh, a criminal of the state, he he broke Torah, he was he was a rebellious Jew. He was an immoral Jew, but that immorality resided in his flesh. So once the bones de- once the flesh decomposed off the bones. In a full year, what happened to his bones? Were they, were they holy or unholy? Holy. They were holy. They believed they were holy. <clears throat> and so a dishonorable man could be buried in a public grave in dishonor, but once those bones were completely exposed and clean of the de- defilement of the flesh, then they could be gathered, put in an ossuary, and given the final stage of the funeral, which is a two-stage process. And now they believe the bones are holy. And this man is ready for resurrection, these bones. It's a story you remember of uh, Ezekiel 37 in the valley of the dry bones. So, Okay, let's look at this tonight. This is really good. Let me, let me read this. John 20, <clears throat> just this first section. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. 
So the disciples went away again to their own homes. Okay. So some things, and Linda, I'm glad you're here because I thought you may want to jump in on this. You've made some comments in the past about this very text that I thought, thought was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see if we can get to that. So, all right. Uh, first day of the week. Is there anything odd about that first day of the week? Anything odd? How many times when Jesus gave a resurrection prediction, what did he say? Three days. I will rise again on the third day. Yeah, yeah. And so it's interesting that they don't use that language. That when John reports, John could have said, now it was the third day, the day he said that he would rise, but he doesn't. And he uses a concept that is very Jewish the first day of the week. That's a very Jewish idea. In fact, in Greek, it means Sabbath, Shabbos, Shabbat. In Hebrew, Yom Shabbat, the day of rest. Uh, you know. So here we go. Now, the first day of the week, um, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb. Is this one woman or two women or how many women are here? So another accounts account for more women? Yes. Yes, in fact, several even, to the point that we're not sure actually how many. Uh, two to three at least, and up to four or five. Okay. So what's going on? In fact, pay attention to the, the pronouns. First of all, Mary, this is singular. Mary alone goes early to the tomb. It, that was a high-risk endeavor, a woman alone at night, walking or in the darkness. This was not a good situation. She does it anyway. She's so anxious to, to go to the tomb while it's dark, sees the stone already taken away, and so she ran and came to Simon Peter. Why would she run? Is there something dangerous going on? Yes, what do you think? What happened to the Roman guards? What happened to the Roman guards? Exactly. Why are they not mentioned? Right? And so this is, this is some of the striking differences between the synoptics. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke against John and how John just doesn't include all kinds of data. He doesn't include the names of all these women and, and he doesn't mention the, the soldiers, you know, and what, what happened there. So anybody guess what probably went through her mind when she saw the stone moved? What's the first thing? Think historically, think forensically. She sees the stone rolled. What's the first thing that hits her mind? Grave robbers. Yep, tomb raiders. Exact is exactly what hit her front lobes, right? And she's so afraid because those are dangerous folk that she immediately runs. So she guards may have been passed out. It's dark. Are they dead? Are they in eyesight? What's going on? Uh, are they just sleeping? This is odd. What's happening? So she runs. She finds Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. We believe that to be John. Right? And, and then she says to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. Who's they? Who do you think? Be historical. Jews to 
take the body so it could not be murdered? Absolutely. It could be a plot by the Romans. It could be tomb raiders, grave robbers. Uh, it could be some of Jesus' disciples. And that they were trying to stage a fake resurrection. And they were grabbing at hope. Those are some, some of the possibilities, right? Remember, is, is, she, does, does she, is she talking from resurrection faith right now? Not at all. She has no idea what's going on. So this isn't Mary with fully developed faith who's got this thing figured out. She is truly puzzled, and she just says, somebody, they, have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Somebody moved the body. And she's just panicked. So let's talk a little bit about tomb robbers. Uh, there were so many, uh, there were so many tombs robbed. So Quinn, Rose, that if they were putting food and water down a chute, they also left valuable jewelry, heirloom items, and other special things. And so a tomb robber would want to go into a tomb and take family treasures, take what was wealthy. Do you think a tomb, a tomb robber wanted the body? Actually, no. They had no desire for the body. They just wanted the trinkets, the valuables, any jewelry, any money that may have been left there. That's what they wanted. They didn't care about the body. Okay, all right. Um, let's talk about something else. It's a little spooky, okay? I know it's not Halloween. This would be like a Halloween thing. Uh, in Judea, this is in Judaism, not in the Greco-Roman world, although it was in there too. There were witches. And these witches, those that were involved in witchcraft, they believed that a corpse had magical powers, especially a corpse that had been abused and was a victim. And so it is conjected that a witch came. Maybe a, a pack of witches came through and took the body for its magical powers. You know, So you've got tomb robbers, you've got witch, witches, you've got the Roman centurion soldiers who possibly took the body, which would make sense historically because, boy, if... if if they didn't have control of that body, then a legend may break out. Folklore would, would form around Jesus, and this thing would, that they're trying to squish would get big and get out of hand and would be more rioting. But maybe it was the disciples. Did the surgeons not want the body? Is that too early? What's that? Did the surgeons not want the body? Or is that too early? I'm so sorry. I can't. Surgeons, doctors. Surgeons, doctors. Doctors. Oh, there, there were surgeons in this day, yes. Like doing an autopsy? Yeah. Not at all. They were doing, in fact, Greek. The, the word autopsy is Greek, and it means to see for yourself. Yeah, they were doing autopsies in the day. Yes. That's how their art was so... What's it do? That's how, their, that's how their art was so uh, symmetrical. Yes, yes, yeah. They, Everybody's art. <laughs> yes. And, and the idea that, that there's a theory called, by the way, James, <laughs> the resuscitation theory, that Christ wasn't dead. And that he came back to life. You know, he woke up. He managed to break out of the linen wrappings and wandered off. 
but that is historically very, very implausible based on the data, uh, the, the beatings, what he went through, the scourging, what that did to his body, the blood loss, the dehydration, the impaling, and then the pierced side. You know, he, yeah. And Romans, were soldiers were so accustomed to death, he was dead. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So, so those, are, those are several theories. Um, but So if we're going to be forensic, how do you interpret the evidence? The evidence says they came in and they saw, in fact, the, the phrase linen wrappings is used three times. Like, this is a big deal. It's referenced three times. The linen wrappings are lying there. And, and then this head cloth, this faith cloth, was folded uh, what are your translations? Does some of your translations say folded or rolled? Folded. Folded. Anybody rolled? New American translates it rolled. Anybody else? Something different? Anybody? The word, the word in Greek, uh, the natural rending is roll. It really is. You know, we, we almost think of it like a handkerchief. By the way, the face cloth is kind of like a handkerchief. In fact, uh, it, it, the very name of this piece of cloth refers to uh, a cloth to wipe away perspiration. It's from Latin. Uh, it's a Greek loan word out of Latin vocab, and it means something you'd wipe your, your perspiration with. And so it's a small towel, handkerchief-sized piece of cloth. And we almost think of it as a table napkin in our culture. It's folded square over square, this nice, beautiful little folded napkin. We kind of think that way, but the word rolled here more naturally would be rolled up. Rolled as opposed to folded like our English concepts of napkins kind of things. Anybody else a different translation of that? Rolled or folded? You get rolled folded. up by itself. <laughs> rolled up by itself, yeah. Yes, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it literally is just a cloth about the size of a handkerchief. In fact, it's the very same word used when someone put money in a handkerchief. Like the king says, look, I'm going to give you a talent. I want you to take it, and I want you to go make money, and when I come back, give an account. And the guy with one talent says, look, I just took your money, put it in a handkerchief, and I, I buried it because I know you're not a fair man. Uh, that's the very same word, a handkerchief kind of thing, a small cloth. Well, so somebody take the time to roll up a baseball? Okay, now you're thinking for his, forensically. That now we're getting somewhere. So would a grave robber do that? No. Not at all. No. Not at all. Take the time. Not at all, no. And are they interested in the body? No. Not at all. It's about treasures, amulets, trinkets, money that might be in the tomb. That's it. They don't care. You know, they don't care. Now, what if it's the disciples? And they, um, you'd think Joseph spent quite a bit of money, right, in buying those 75 pounds worth of spices, around 82 years worth of labor to put spices in his bed. Do you know how hard it would be to unwrap that? So even if the disciples took the body... Or the Romans took the body. What are they going to do with the wrappings? You think they're going to leave the wrappings? Not at all. Not at all. They're going to they're going to grab the mummy and they're going to get out of there. And so it's interesting. Again, it's they saw the linens lying there. They saw the wrappings. Uh, Linda. Well, 
my notation in my book Bible says the grave cloths were lifted that Jesus had passed right through them. The headpiece was still rolled up and in the shape of a head. And it was about the right distance from the wrapping that had been enveloping Jesus. A grave robber couldn't possibly have made off with Jesus' body unless the linen was There's just no way. It can't. So historically, it's implausible that the soldiers would have taken it that the disciples would have taken it, nor a tomb robber, uh, nor a witch. They're all, they're all out of the running. Well, if I understand correctly, when they used those uh, spices on that linen, mm-hmm. it, it would have had to have appeared unwrapped for it to have been unwrapped. So he passed through it. That's Which is, that's one of the theories is that, do you remember in John's gospel where Jesus, post-resurrection, walks in the room by going through a wall. Do you remember that? Okay. So he's it now it's now we're moving into the metaphysical where Christ can can permeate material things without it disturbing his body. Okay? And so it is conjectured, Linda, that he literally just merged, transported out of those garments, and then he just fell naturally in place. It is also argued that with all the spices and some of which are formed with a paste. Mm-hmm. You form a paste. What would have happened with those linens? Yeah. It would have retained the shape of the body. Right? Am I being log- plausible? Is this reasonable? Okay. So when Peter and John enter in, would they, would they say, oh, there he is. See the shape of his body? But they didn't. They didn't. So we can possibly scratch off that one even if he did transport right through it, the linens seem to be in such a way that it doesn't look like they retain the same shape as though his body were in it. Does this make sense? Okay. Now, ready for the curveball? Here we go. This sounds fun. The face cloth, what is that? Well, it is conjected that what it actually is is a cloth that is tucked up under the chin and comes around and is tied on top of the head, right? To keep the mouth shut. That's why. Where else have we seen that? A CPAP machine. You guys, pardon? A CPAP machine. Well, you see it in, uh, <laughs> you, you guys seen uh, Christmas Carol? Yeah, mm-hmm. more or less. Remember that? Yeah. 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 And, and it was a way of showing honor to keep the mouth from gaping open, okay? Into a Jewish way of thinking. So, it is argued, now by the way, can we get a, a microscope and, and you know jump into a time machine and go, ah, oh, that's exactly what, you know, no. But we're trying to use our front lobes and I'm telling you Christchurch is always the place where you're gonna be challenged to think. Uh, if this is the case, then it's possible, Linda, that that face cloth that literally held his mouth closed was slipped off his head and the, the roll of the cloth was laid down just like that, not far from the linens in a separate place. Make sense? Did they not put a cloth over the face this way? The, like the shroud of truth? Sure, yes and no. Not always. Not always. Sometimes there might even be a second wrapping that would go over the face. 
but it's, it is conjectured that that face cloth is really the piece that held the mouth closed. Yeah. There's multiple layers, Barbara, of cloths and linens here. Lots of layers, so. All right, now, uh, for the sake of time, let's, uh, let's tap the brake and think through that. What is the significance of what we've covered so far? Why the singular focus on Mary? I'm sorry, say that again. Yeah, why the singular focus on Mary? Well, we're not going to find that out until later. Mm hmm. Good. She's going to deliver a special message. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, and Andrew, I know you know this. There's a story of grace in that that goes beyond cultural expectations, okay? Cody, Greco-Roman biography, what's the point of it? What's the purpose? Make you like a central figure. Yeah, yeah. You've got to make a decision about Jesus Christ. And if you read the Gospels, they parade people. And this group comes in, interacts with Jesus, they either believe or they reject. The next one comes, believes or rejects. And the whole story is a parading of people as they interact with this central figure, Jesus Christ. And we're given the example, these are the kinds of people that reject him and the consequences. These are the kinds of people that accept him and the consequences. And you end up getting in-group, out-group, insider, outsider language all through the gospel. Okay? Was a, women, was a woman's testimony reliable and legitimate in court? Usually no, but sometimes. What about a shepherd? Were their were their testimonies legitimate in court? No. Not at all. They were below a woman. You know, you don't trust a shepherd. Those little sheep stealing scoundrels, those rascals that sit up by the campfire and play harmonicas and kill sheep. They're awful. We just hate those little cowboys. You know, Jewish cowboys are the worst. You can't trust them. So they, I'm not kidding. They really did not like shepherds. They couldn't get along with anybody, and they'd rather hang out with the sheep on the hills and you know build a fire. So, I thought they, it was more the fact that they couldn't go to um, go to church. All the above, they were unclean, disobedient. <coughs> I mean, all kinds of reasons, and they were literally were untrust. They were scoundrels. They were not trustworthy witnesses. Okay, and women are like one click above that. Okay, yeah, they would allow testimony on some occasions but usually not. So, Rosalind, it would be tough for you to get, get on the stand in, in a courtroom to believe you, okay? But put a man on there, an honorable man, oh, yeah, whatever he says. Yep, 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 yep. Men are only truth-tellers, you know, so they say. <laughs> well, women were allowed. It wasn't until after the women had the right to vote that they were even allowed to be on a jury. I know. This isn't so far away, is it? You know, so that yep. wasn't... Yeah. Yeah. And every mom with a kid has been grabbing that jury duty ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Women's prohibition people, thanks a lot. Yeah. So, exactly. This is not so far away from us, not so removed, okay? Um, and yet, who becomes the first mandated reporter? Women. Women. So if you're going to write an ending 
and try to make it an honorable ending, Cody, to show this central figure is worthy of honor and, and why we need to listen to him. Would you send a woman to do the reporting on their terms? No, you wouldn't. Unless he's trying to make the men look even more dishonorable. And well, think that, about at birth, who did they appear to first? The angels appeared to the shepherds. Yes, yes. And how's that for bookends? Shepherds at the, uh, the startup and then women at the ending. And uh, talk about grace. Talk about, how about this for, bear with my rhetoric, God's sense of self-esteem. That he was so secure in this situation, he didn't have to go to the elite to get an endorsement. Right. You know, he could trust the whole thing to shepherds and women. I think he wanted to demonstrate that he was here for everyone. Absolutely. That Mary's here for everyone. She becomes kind of um, us. She's an example of us. Some even mention, Linda, that Mary came in darkness, and there were two levels of darkness. You know, the darkness pre-dawn, but the darkness in her own heart. She didn't believe, and she had the hardest time reconciling what this whole thing was about. So this is good. Anybody else on, what about the cloth? The linens. There's something about the tomb and the stone. I think it's interesting, another key difference in John versus the synoptics. You don't see any evidence of an angelic body nope. here at all. And nope. I know it would go against John's nature, but I just find it interesting that he did because in the other accounts, you have someone that says he's not here. No, yeah. 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 But but again, it it's really obscure. Lots of details are left out. Uh, the soldiers fill up, and all kinds of details. Yep, you, you're you're exactly right. To so someone else. Mine says even though Simon Peter denied Jesus, he was still one of the first ones there. Do you think he needed to settle up on his conscience? Do you think he had a guilty conscience, Peter? I think he was sorry. I do too. You see Peter just going for it a lot of times. Yeah. I think it killed a lot too. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And we, you know, it appears that uh, John was a better runner than uh, Peter. <laughs> you know, Peter was eating too much beans and rice. The Palestinian beans and rice diet they lived on. He's also loved by the Lord. What's that? He was also loved by the Lord. Yes, yes, exactly. But he so. doubts himself because he says he didn't go in. Mm -hmm. He didn't go in. So if you go into a tomb on the Sabbath, you're unclean, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it's uh, um, he is trying to honor Peter. Peter's older, in all likelihood. Maybe there's some grace in John saying, you know what? I'm going to let Peter go first. We don't know, do we? But it's, it's beautiful. He's followed Peter's impulsiveness. Yeah. He's always exhibited. Yeah. Yep. Which is still to be exhibited yet again. Yeah. 
agreed. So, okay. All right, so now I have a question for you. If we are correct that the face cloth was more about a piece of cloth to keep his mouth closed, not this shroud of Turin idea, but more a functional Jewish kind of funeral. Who removed it? Pictured it as he set up and took it off. Okay. Okay. What did you say? What did you say, Linda? I pictured it as he set as he set up. He removed it. Okay. He, I don't know how he got up. He levitated up. Yeah. Or maybe uh, God reached down and said, here, son, mm-hmm. and just kind of pulled it off. Yeah. Well, when he commanded Lazarus to come out of the tomb, mm-hmm. Lazarus hops out, and he has to tell people to unwrap Lazarus. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Like Lazarus couldn't get out by himself. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So you ready to, to kind of let our, our imaginations run wild? What's the first thing Jesus said? Do you think he said something in there? The jaw, <laughs> the cloth. I mean, he can talk. <laughs> what did he? What did he say? No Tim Hawkins jokes, please. No, don't go Tim Hawkins on us. So, Steve's laughing. What do you think he would say? Why that's over? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stuffy. <laughs> what did I just <laughs> get thrown in the bus? You know, we're going to do the real deep spiritual thing here, Dave. Thank you very much. <laughs> Can you imagine what he might say to the father? I'm really glad that's over with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what if he's anticipating who's going to come to the tomb first? Oh, man. What was that? What if he's anticipating who's going to come back to the tomb? You know how he said it is finished? Yeah. What if he said now it's on? Game on. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that will be done. Oh, man, yeah. Did you ever get really excited on Christmas morning? It's the 25th, and you peel out of bed in your jammies and go flying down the stairwell or the hall or something to look at the tree? Did you ever do that when you were little, you know? Really excited about something. Andrew, what if he was excited? Who was going to be the first to see him? Yeah, pretty exciting. So, okay. Anybody else? Final comment? I thought you were going to toss a bone out there. Oh, no, I'm, I'm all about educationally teasing you guys along. So, it's going to get good. Next Wednesday is going to get good. Come back for part two, for sure. So. Chris, I think it's really interesting, just from the Greco-Roman biography thing, where John the whole time has kind of been, he's written as if, from Jesus' perspective, is what a lot of people see, how that's written versus the synoptics. And it's kind of like he's had to make this, he's been, 
writing from that perspective, but now he's making a switch. It's just real interesting to see him kind of reference himself, but not directly. But that's why you see these details, and like you can almost see him walking in the t or looking in the tomb and seeing that that role and seeing that, and like how that stuck in his mind, mm -hmm. um, and how that whole. I think that's a, it's kind of almost. It's almost like the writing is choppy. I'm not sure if it's Greek. It's it's the same way, but it's almost like it doesn't flow. With <clears throat> Actually, you're right. There are examples of that in John's writing. Yeah, yeah. you can see the historian <laughs> trying to put the data together and and tell the story accurately, tell it well. Yeah. Whereas the synoptics were more of a story. They had they had people there, and they're Mary's telling this is what happened. This, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, when they say that the other disciple went in, uh, entered, and saw and believed, did they believe that Christ had risen, risen, or chapter or verse nine is saying, for as yet they did not understand the scripture. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What do you think? Seeing how they went home and went back to bed. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that they really understood that he had risen from the dead. A very incomplete understanding at this point. You're right. But yeah. they're, they're just now, they're willing to believe Mary. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Who, at this point, they're at least willing to believe Mary. Because Mary yeah. said the tomb was empty. They don't want to take her word for it. They've got to see it. You can't, you can't trust the woman. So we can't trust the woman. Now we've got two men that have said, yep, that's correct. The tomb is empty. And yep. they leave and go back. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, and yet, there's a little tease here where they had not yet come to fully understand the resurrection. So, yeah. There's a hint. Something's happening. Well, these men had been with Jesus for three years, at least. Mm-hmm. How many times did Jesus say, I'm going to die, and uh, rise from the dead? How many times did he tell them that? And why didn't they almost immediately assume that is what happened? They've been immersed Make the logical jump. Sure. They also had their whole lifetimes of being immersed in Jewish custom because they bought mm -hmm. teachings of those. And so even though they hear things of Jesus, they still go back to what they know and right. can't figure things out, even though he's there in front of them. Not just they don't believe about the resurrection, but there's all throughout those three years, he says, you have a little faith. Just takes a little bit to move a mountain. You say, tell this mountain to move here. And they sometimes they couldn't cast out demons uh, because of their faith. Sometimes they couldn't do things. And um, throughout those three years, and so this time when pressure is really on too, it's not just that he resurrected and they should believe. 
keep this outside pressure to make them not believe? And mm -hmm. what are the consequences going to be if they do believe? Yeah. And so that's in the back of their minds. So yeah. Anybody yeah, else? Yeah, exactly. I mean, here's the deal. I mean, we 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 look at things that are true, that are facts every day, and we won't accept them. We won't accept the fact that uh, if you live, you get old. I mean, that's just one thing that we deny is real. There's all kinds of things that we look at and deny is real, like um, there will be no beefsteak. Tomatoes grown on the north side of a shaded hill, but by golly, we continue to operate as if that's that's the truth. That's what we want to believe. I think it's the same when we pray and pray for something that it happens, and we say, "What a coincidence!" <laughs> we don't accept that our prayers did anything. Yeah. Our other. That's good. I think it's important to remember in the Gospels how when Peter confessed that Jesus was the Christ, he said, This is your in my spirit. And I think that's kind of what's going on here too. Is the information is there, but we need the spirit to kind of illuminate that and connect all the dots. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Chris, do you think this is kind of since Christ is able to die and bridge the gap? I think it's starting to happen. Yes. Yeah. You know, we're silly to think the Holy Spirit only worked after Pentecost. That is not true. No. Not true at all. He's very busy prior to that. So you see, you see the work. You see the work. That's good. That's good. That's good. Cody, why don't you lead us in the Lord's Supper? How do you say no to that? <laughs> Thank you, Cody. <laughs>